This is, a, this, is a, this is an interesting chapter. My bet is you've never, uh, you've never heard anyone teach on Romans 13. And the reason uh, that you probably have never heard anyone teach on it is because it's not a popular passage, all right? It's not one of those passages that's like, yeah, you know, it's one of those, oh, yeah. All right, if that makes sense. But it's, it's, it's powerful because of, because of what it teaches. It just, it just happens to go against the culture, right? And there's this picture uh, of, of, of what's cool, if you will, in our culture. And, and so today's title is this, okay? This will blow it right off from the beginning, all right? Obeying authority. Yay, aren't you glad you came, right? And, uh, but there's a picture here that God wants you to understand and to know, right? And here's the key. We've been talking now over the weeks in the book of Romans, and the cool part about going verse by verse is that you don't skip over anything. Most people skip over this, right? Because, because it takes a lot of time to understand and see, but it is a powerful thing to understand if you want to understand who you and I are supposed to be, right? Who he's called us to be. And here's the key. If what you just sang about, right, what God's grace is, if God's grace has made its difference in your life, then you're his. And your desire is to be who he's called you to be, not necessarily be who you want to be or what you want to do. And that's the real dividing line, okay? That is the real dividing line. But we live in a culture to where where it's almost in vogue, if you will, to rebel against all authority. And, and, and I want you to know that's not the way God sees it. And chapter 13 was there for that purpose. Now, for some of you that hadn't been following along, then this is going to come out of nowhere. But we've been building up to this. You know, chapter 10 talks about what it means to be his, Right? as far as putting your faith and trust in him. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, uh, to present yourself as a living sacrifice, right? Uh, which is reasonable worship, right? We talked about that last week. What does the sacrifice mean? What does a living sacrifice mean? So we, we've been walking through these powerful thoughts, not only of the change he makes in our life, that's chapters 1 through 10, but after that change, you know, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can know what God's will is. Therefore, as his, if you're his, your desire is to do what he wants you to do, not necessarily do what you want to do. And yet that is, that is the foundation of what people think in our country is that you get to do what you want to do. That's not who he's called you to be. Now, authority is an incredible thing. Being an authority, being under authority understanding even what authority is. Authority is something that God establishes and he has very strong teachings about in the scriptures. And I want you to know them. I want you to understand them because I have a passion. I have this belief in my heart that if I can share God's word with those who are truly his, it sinks right down to the core. Not very much, not so much my opinion, but let's just talk about it. Right? And if you're truly his, this message is going to sink down to the core whether you, whether you like it or not. Right? And, uh, but as a, as if you're not a believer today, I've just continued to believe that God's word, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by God's word. And all of those things work together. So as we take a look at this passage, right, 
I want you to see it for what it says. Remember, as being his, if you and I are his, we don't stand in judgment of his word, right? His, ju- his word stands in judgment of us. And that's a key distinguisher, especially in, in, the, in the culture in which you live. So we're gonna jump into this. And I'm gonna take quite a bit of time for the first one because I really want you to see it. Because of the way so many of you have been raised, right? Right, in this particular culture, there's something that has to be understood if you're going to be his. Now, obeying authorities, so why? Okay, now again, I'm just taking this out of the scriptures. I've said this most every week, but if you disagree with what I'm saying today, fine, don't come talk to me. All right, take it up with Paul, right? Y'all take it up and y'all do it because we're just going to explain what he says to us, right? But why, okay, there's the whys of obeying authorities. And this is an interesting one. It says here, for wrath's sake, okay? This comes from what scripture teaches us. You know, and for, for one reason is, is to uh, is obey the authorities over us because for wrath's sake. Now, when you think about, when you think about this picture, we have, we have systems of authorities in our life. You have them all around you. But also, you are in authority, right? Most of you have somebody who falls underneath you, right? Or at least one time in your life you did. Uh, I found, I have found personally that the free person is not necessarily the one who has the most authority, it's the one who has the least. And that may sound strange to you, but I, you know, the more I do what I do, the more I have that thought. Let me tell you what I mean. Authority is someone who is put in charge. And I have found that, uh, that the scriptures talk about authority quite a bit. Now, chapter 13, verse one, it says this, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Now, the foundation of this passage, why is Paul saying this? Because Paul is teaching the early believers who are at Rome that he is not leaving, he is not leading a rebellion. Christ did not come to lead rebellions, to overthrow the terrible Romans. And were they terrible? Of course. Read your history books. Okay? So, but the thought here, Jesus himself said it. If you want to know, Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world, right? And he went on to say, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would be out fighting now, right? You know, keep the cause alive, you know, overthrow the oppressors and all the other chants you hear, right? But that's not who he's called us to be. In fact, fact, Jesus looked at Peter, right? When they arrested him in the garden, right? And I kind of identify with Peter. You know, uh, it's time to stop talking and pass out the guns. Peter's mentality. And so Peter whips out a sword and he whacks this guy's ear off. And Jesus looks at him and says, put it up. He says, don't you know, legions of angels are at my beck and call. I can take care of the situation anytime I want to, but there's a plan here. And Peter, this is not how it works. If you truly want to be his, then you got to get this piece, all right? You got to get this piece. And what is this piece? This piece is being underneath the authority that is in your life, whatever that authority may be. 
Some will say, well, the authority I have, I don't agree with. Okay, fine. But imagine the early believers. We're not sure at the time that Paul wrote this, who was in charge, that is the emperor in Rome. But Nero was either the one or was going to be. And if any of you know anything about him, so Paul is telling them to be submissive, even though they're being oppressed. That's what he's telling them. Not easy to swallow, but it is the truth. Interesting, huh? Even when you're being oppressed. You know, I find it amazing as, as you think on those things. Again, it's just because the Bible has a lot to say about being persecuted, right? That's a whole nother issue, that's not today. Can you actually suffer for doing good? Of course you can. Scriptures, in fact, the scripture says if you're going to be his, expect it. But this is not popular teaching, but it is the truth. Guys, one of our problem is, is that we value what's popular. We value what's popular over what's right or what's true. And listen, just because something's popular doesn't mean it's the truth. These are all things we need to hear if we want to be his. If you're saying, no, I wanna do what I wanna do, then go do your plan, you'll be back. All right, but go do your plan and learn and then come back when you've learned. Let me tell you about this concept of subjecting, the word subject, you see the word subject yourselves to governing thoughts? That means to be submissive. And that's almost become a dirty word in our culture, right? It says, for there's really no authority except from God. And he says this, this is, this is interesting. And those that exist, that is the authorities around you exist, have been instituted by God. At least the positions have been instituted by God. There are all kinds of authorities in your life, all kinds. And, uh, and I just wanna talk about a few of them. It goes on to say in verse two, Therefore, whoever resists authorities in your life, resists what God has, has appointed. And those who re resist, you're, you're gonna incur judgment for resisting, okay? He goes on to explain things that rulers are not going to be a terror if you do what you're supposed to do, right? But if you don't do what you're supposed to do, you're, then you need to worry, right? Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? All right. Then do what is good and you'll receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. These are powerful words. And yet I want you to hear this. You know, there are all kinds of authorities in your life. The foundational authority in your life that's supposed to be, this is God-ordained, God-appointed. The foundational authority that you learn from in your life are parents. Parental authority is absolute in the scriptures. Scriptures talk about it often, right? That authority is not permanent in your life, okay? But it is there early to teach you this system. And this is one of the great struggles that we have in our culture. And I'm just being honest with you. I'm not trying to be dramatic. Y'all have come to know me, that's not me. I'm not trying to be overly dramatic, but I'm not sure our culture will survive, all right? because of this, because no other culture has survived with this. And let me tell you what I mean, authority. It begins with parents, but I've found that we have lots of authority in our culture and 
And anyone who's in authority gets real tired of being in authority fast. Does that make sense? Because they have a target on their back. If you have been chosen to enforce the rules, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? And let, let me just go a little deeper, all right? I'm, I'm gonna give you some examples. I'm gonna give you hardcore examples. I'm not gonna mince words with you. I'm gonna share with you exactly the picture here of what he's saying here, what it means to be submissive or underneath authority. You learn how to treat authority, first of all, and most of all, by parents, right? And then after that, you just take that after that as you go. Now, let me, let me give you a couple of groups in our culture there's a lot of authority given to, right? Two groups. Number one are teachers. Number two are police officers, right? We give them authority. They enforce the rule. Now, number one is teachers. I love teachers. I do with all of my heart, but God bless them. God bless them, they're up against it. Because we live, we give them authority, but then we steal their ability to enforce it. And so a classroom has many times become a zoo. Because when the kids act up, it's the teacher's fault. And they're told to use psychological manipulations to keep order. Guys, it doesn't work. You have to establish the person who's in charge. And then they have the abilities, because they're in charge, all right, to lead within the classroom. It is one of the foundational teachings. You know, it's like the kid who couldn't stand living at home, and he, he says, I'm so tired, I'm so tired of listening to my parents. And so he went out and joined the Marines. Okay, listen to me. He's gonna learn quick what authority means. Because as being a Marine or in any armed services, without a clear defined authority, it all falls apart. Guys, it's that way everywhere. And I look in the classroom and I see teachers try to establish some sort of order in the class. And when a kid messes up, I mean, he's eight, she's eight, whatever you know, and they're cursing and whatever they're doing in class, and then the teacher, you know, the teacher boots them out or sends them wherever, and, and then they have a meeting, and the parents come in and blame the teacher. I don't understand that. But it's the culture in which we live that it's always the authority's fault. So what we're getting, listen to me, what we're getting is, is that people who are good at being in charge are saying, this ain't worth it. And they get out of it, and the ones you have in charge are not the ones you want in charge. Are you, under, are you, you hearing my heart here? I just want you to see. Listen, there's two types, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the teachers that started the applause, all right? Now, but I just want you to know, I have a huge admiration for teachers in our culture, huge. Huge. I know sometimes I don't say it. There's a lot of things I can't say all the time. But just so you know my heart, I have a huge, huge why. Because they're up against it. They're told they're, told they're in charge, but everything has <laughs> been taken from them, 
Really, they, really what has happened is the kids are in charge, which is a form of insanity, right? You know, I have learned, I have learned this. Anybody who wants to be in charge is one of two people. They've either never been in charge before or you don't want them to be in charge, right? Because those who are in authority who are good at being in authority, your primary desire is what's best for those who are underneath you, if you're good at it. If you're not good at it, it's gonna show quick. But if you're good at it, you have to make decisions for those who are underneath you that is best for them, not necessarily what they want. So therefore, those who are best at leading or being in charge are those who are willing to make the tough call that is doing what's best for someone, not necessarily what's the most popular. Parents, again, tough things to hear, but you need to hear it. You take the side of your kid over an authority, you may think, well, my kid knows I'm for them. You're killing them. And they will despise you in the end. Take my word for it. Because they'll eventually grow up and then after they've told their boss off, because that's what they used to do to you, and gotten fired because they haven't been taught. Why? Because this world runs on it whether you like it or not. It's the way God set it up. That's why he's telling us this. It is as straightforward as it can be, you know? That is why I took, <laughs> that's why I took extra special care in teaching my children this concept, all right? I have learned, but see, this is the problem. Okay, we've, we've listened to Dr. Fluffyhead too long, all right? We really have. And, and that somehow, that, that you, you want to be, <laughs> you want to be the cool parent. You know, I want to be the parent that, that you know, if it's, you know, I, I just want to be the popular parent. Let me tell you what, the right authority is never usually the popular one. I know it's hard to hear, but it's the truth. The best leaders are not, the best, the best, those in authority are not necessarily the popular ones. Why? Because there's so many times you have to do what's not popular because you know it's right. And you've been given the authority to make the call. Right? Right? When you're in your house and you, I had four children, I want you to know we never took a vote on these things. <laughs> now, we may have taken a vote on where do we want to go to eat tonight or you know, where do you guys want to go? You know, if I had a date night with one of the kids, they would get to pick where we went. That's fine. But when it came down to it, you're not good. You don't get a vote here. <laughs> but I, and, and you may come across being tough, but I promise you, after all the years I've done what I've done, they will love you in the end. They may hate you on the way, but they will love you in the end because that's, what this world is. It's the way God has set it up. It's his system. That's so funny. Dorothy's at home now. I think she's in the service, but we were talking the other day and she said, Dad, I remember sitting out in one of your messages and I remember you telling everybody, I'll blow my kid's life up. 
if I have to. And she said, and you meant it. I said, I did mean it, right? Because I would do whatever it takes to teach them to respect me. Not because I'm on a power trip, but because it's what's best for them. Guys, I've been in charge in a lot of areas, and I am so tired of it. If God would let me out of all of it, I would, I would be glad. God, take it all, it's all yours, you know, and I'll go be underneath everyone else. I'm good with that, Just let them have it. Because if you ever get a leader that truly does care about those that are underneath him, that is so in authority, hang on to him. Guys, I'm telling you, it doesn't happen much today. Why? Because all the good ones are tired of it. Does that make sense? So as you understand being a parent, okay, I remembered that my first, my first thought was not necessarily worried about if my kids liked me. If you, that'll be a hangup that'll kill anyone in charge. If you're worried about them liking you, then you will never do what's best for them. Because so many times, especially in the immature life of a kid, is that the things they want to do is not necessarily what's best for them. Well, I think you should let them do what they want to do. That's insanity, right? You might as well not even be in charge. And my goodness, my goodness, think about it when you were a kid. I think about when I was a kid. If I got to do everything I wanted to do, by now I would be in jail, right? Because you just keep going down bad roads until someone in authority says no. And it's better if someone in close in authority has to do it before a judge has to do it, right? But we've got all these people in charge. The other group is the, is the police officers. God bless them. God bless every one of them because we put them in charge, right? And yet such disrespect for someone who works so hard and somebody will say, well, you know, there, there are some officers, police officers that, you know, that aren't good. I, I hear you. It's true. There's some pastors that aren't any good. What does that mean? The police officers are still in charge. We've given them that. But I, I don't know how a culture like ours will survive with this mentality. All right, just to give you another, all right. How many times have you ever seen an umpire on a baseball card. <laughs> Anybody? All right. Do they have umpire of the week? No. Because nobody likes the guy in charge. He has to make the call. It's real easy to be critical. It's real easy to rebel. It's real easy to do, but nobody wants to be in charge. They just want to gripe right? And so when we get, what he's basically saying here, he says, for he is God's servant for your good. Not what necessarily you like, but for your good, right? I don't know. It's an amazing thing. It's an absolutely amazing thing. That doesn't mean that you always agree with that, the, that was, which is, with his, which is in charge. That doesn't necessarily mean that the person who is in authority is always right. We know better. But here's the picture. This is what God has taught us to do. If you're his, 
But boy, that's not the popular way, right? That is not the popular way. I just want you to hear it. I just want you to hear it. Because this is what he's, if you have a desire to be his, this is a huge piece. And guys, you're not talking to a guy that this is easy for because that's not who I am. Okay, I, I'm a born rebel. I know I am. That was my personality. Ask my parents. I mean, it was a fit. It was a constant fit. I challenged everything, right? But as I've learned being his now for lots of years, that's not who he's called me to be. So I needed to change. This is not who I'm going to be, right? Why? Because it doesn't matter here in this world, right? You know, you've got all these things and everybody gets involved, whatever. I can't tell you, right? I can't tell you this, this picture of, of hatred in our culture of those who are in charge. I mean, if you get elected to an office, immediately, it seems like 45% of the population hates you. Okay, that may be our population because that's not to be you and I. Right? So then, Jeff, how do you, do you, I mean, how, how do you agree? You know, I can't agree with what some of them are I'm with you there. The great part about it is that you and I have an opportunity to have a voice in those who govern us, which is very unique in history, by the way. And it's called voting. That's why you'll never hear me tell you who to vote for or whom. It doesn't matter. You know what I'm saying, right? You'll never tell me about, I'll never tell you that, but I will tell you to vote. Okay? And vote for those that have conscience, right? I don't know. I, you know, I'm here with you. But guys, I will tell you this. And this is something that I have to talk to you about. You've got to hear. This is why you don't hear me. I have a voice, all right? I have a voice. I understand that. But I'm not going to stand up here. I'm not going to stand up here and trash those who lead us. I'm just not going to do it. I haven't done it. And in, in fact, I've been now a pastor now for years and years and years and years. And president after president, and I can't tell you how many of them have really made some bonehead decisions, right? Some of them have made good ones. I'm not going to single any of them out, but I will tell you this. I'm not going to trash them either because I have been told to respect them, even if I don't agree with them. It doesn't sound like, yeah, Jeff, tell us about, you know, but it's who he's called us to be, Right? We're not to be leading protests like that. Now, let me give you, a, for instance, in just a minute, and you'll see what I mean. We're not to be leading rebellions. Protests, maybe. Rebellions, no. No. Why? Because his kingdom's not of this world. Peter, put your sword up. You're going about this the whole, this the whole wrong way. This is what he's talking about. And guys, think about it. Think about how, how strong the early church became. And so this is one of those pre-things before the church became so strong to say, hey guys, we're not in the governing business. And anytime you merge the church and the government, you create a nightmare. 
Why? Because that's not the purpose of the church. And when you start merging governing, and by the way, if you want to know, I'm a huge advocate of the separation of church and government. Why? Because we don't want the government in here telling me what I have to say and what I can't say. We just might as well shut it down. It'd be worthless, right? But it does not mean the separation of the government and God, which is where it's going to now. And that's, I think, why probably why probably part of the problems we have. So what I'm telling you is, well, Jeff, what do we do? And if we don't agree, well, there's lots of things you can do. But I'll tell you this, most rebellions end in disaster. Some protests do pretty good. The one that comes to mind uh, is Martin Luther King. Um, not a perfect man any more than I'm a perfect man anymore, and you're perfect. I mean, people have trashed him at times, and yet he did it the biblical way. Go back and read about Martin Luther King. What did he do? He protested. Why? Because it was oppressive. But he never, he never spewed hate. Are you hearing me? He followed this model to where there was no violence, there was no rebellion, right? There was protest, there was I disagree, right? But there was no spewing of these terrible hatred. I mean, I don't know that anybody had as much of an impact as he did in the particular area he did it in. You see, I want you to hear Guys, I want, you to hear, I want you to hear this piece of what it means to uh, be in authority and, and then what it means to submit. Not necessarily. It means to agree, but to respect. Some people say, well, I'm not going to give respect to anyone who hasn't deserved it. Well, here in the passage, it says that you owe it to those. Not necessarily they deserve it. You owe it not to them, but you owe it to the position you owe your parents respect because that's who they are, not necessarily how they've acted. It's a tough concept. That's why people don't talk about this, right? But I'm telling you, it yields incredible fruit, right? It's what he's talked to us about, who we are and what we're supposed to be doing, right? He goes on to say he's the servant of God, an avenger, right? Who carries out with God's wrath, right? On a wrongdoer. Incredible to think about, but I, and go back to the other with our, as far as our police officers, I, I, respect is something that is, is, is given. And as, as his, guys, then those who are doing what they're doing deserve our respect, right? And, and you're glad they're doing what they're doing, right? I don't know. As I've walked through this, I, I've learned so much about what it means to be his. Um, if any of you know me, I'm by no means a pacifist. I'm just not. But I do understand submission and what that means. And if somebody has, if somebody has a, a role in your life, you know, my former pastor said God taught him something incredible because he walked into a restaurant and he, had, he was having a meeting with a lot of people. And they wanted to rearrange the room in the restaurant, you know, to fit. <laughs> and there was a waitress there that said, no, you can't do that. And 
he so wanted to get upset and whatever, and then he remembered, she's in charge. And I'm not. It's a respect. It's not like you can't go, hey, hun, hey, excuse me, can we, we really have got to this, this, this. Is there anybody we can talk to, whatever? Then you can, sure. But the rebel inside of you always wants to say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it my way. And I'm going to make you pay for even saying what you did. You're not fit to be in command. You're not fit to be in charge. I'm going to complain to you. It becomes this nightmare, right? And it's not who he's called us to be. Interesting, huh? And yet that's the American way. Right? So let's say for wrath's sake. All right, we've got to move on. Number two is for conscience sake. Now, this is even going to get more unpopular. But I do want you to hear it. All right? Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. So he talks about for the sake of your own conscience. Because if you go against your conscience in a lot of these areas, it's going to take you down some bad roads. Now, and then he just kind of comes out of nowhere, and he says this. Because of this, you need to pay your taxes. Aren't you glad you came today? All right. Again, this is not a popular message but it's one I'm not gonna skip. I can't tell you why people skip this chapter, but now you see why they skip it. Nobody likes to pay taxes, but everybody likes the nice roads we drive on. Nobody likes to pay taxes, right? But everybody likes the street lights, right? Nobody likes to pay taxes, but we enjoy the schools that they provide and the, and the, and the security it provides with, with the police force and with, uh, with obviously military and everything. And is it, some of it wasted? Of course it is. It's ridiculous. It's insane, to be honest. But, but that doesn't relieve you from that responsibility. This is what he's saying. And guys, this is Paul talking to the believers at Rome, right? But it's also for all of us. Guys, if you owe taxes, then pay them. This is his words to us. Why? Because your government, that you are underneath their authority, this is what they've told you to do, then that's what you need to do. Sorry. Right? But see, this type of message doesn't bring lots of applause. <laughs> but I want you to see it for what it is. Therefore, you pay your taxes because it's who he wants you to be. Why? Because it's not about this or that. It's about, it's about his kingdom that's not of this world, right? And therefore, I, let, me, let me tell you this too. If you can legally find a, you know, you know, find a deduction or whatever, knock yourself out. I got no problems with that. But if, the, if this is what it calls, then pay it. I can't tell you, I can't tell you how easy it is to mess this one up, right? So, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So it says to pay your taxes. It says, pay to all what is owed them. Taxes to whom taxes are due, that's the government. Revenue to whom revenue is due, that's talking about people that you owe. Pay your debts. That's what we've been talking about, this, this, this cool, this picture we've been doing of financial peace. 
you know? I think today's title, if you're part of Financial Peace, is Dumping Debt, I think it was. And, and basically, pay the people that you, that you owe, right? Why? Because you owe them. And because of now who you are, right? And so this is just things he's talking about. They're powerful things, right? I tell you, there is nothing, there is nothing quite like, like at the time of Jesus, when Paul said, pay your taxes, why? Because those who don't pay their taxes are rebelling against the government. He's not called you to be a rebel. As cool as it may be in your culture, he's not, that's not what he's called you to do. That's not how to make changes. That's not how to do what he's, he wants you and I to be, right? Interesting. So revenue to whom revenue is owed, look at this, respect to whom respect is owed, not deserved, owed, right? It's an amazing thing, but it's who he's called you to be. And I have struggles with that. God has taught me through the years, right? Incredible. And honor to whom honor is owed, again, it's the authority that's respected. Why? Because God has set it up as he said in this passage. All right, good. Number three, for love's sake, for love's sake. So there's this great, great picture in here. It says, don't owe anybody anything. In other words, get rid of your debt. You're going to find that in financial peace. You probably have already heard it once today. So don't owe anyone anything except to love them, right? He goes on to talk here about basically all of the things that, that, that it boils down to, right? Except to love one another. And Jesus, Jesus understood, this is why he taught this, is that those who lead a rebellion, right, they may become, they may be in charge one day, but it will not be for God's kingdom, right? So therefore, therefore, when you lead rebellion, I will tell you this too, rebels don't make good leaders. Therefore, if you lead a rebellion and say you win and you're in charge now, 99 times out of 100, you've just made the situation worse than it was before. Right? There are a few exceptions. Our country is one of them. You know, this country began out of rebellion, right? Right? And I don't know how to answer that one, and I'm not going to try. Right? Obviously, it wasn't, wasn't the church. But again, that's one of those things that you can debate however you want to debate it. But I brought it up just so you could go debate it somewhere else. All right. All right. Then there are commandments, right? You don't commit adultery, don't murder. I find it interesting, what is adultery? Adultery is stealing something from someone else. Don't commit murder, that's stealing something from somewhere else. Don't steal, that's property, and don't covet, and that's the desire to steal. So he says those are all commandments, God, there's, there's dozens and dozens, not just 10, right? Dozens and dozens, but they can all be summed up in one, loving your neighbor as yourself. Jesus was asked the greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So he says the two are just alike. So as you understand, grow in, and become who he's called you to be, then understanding that love is the key to, to the difference that you make, right, around you. 
We're not talking about the oogly-googly, you know, romantic type of love. We're talking about sacrificial love that we just talked about in Romans chapter 12 to present your body as a living sacrifice. Therefore, desire is to make a difference in someone's life. Therefore, the desire is to, for the betterment of someone else as opposed to ourselves. So it goes on to say love doesn't do wrong to his neighbor. Therefore, love is fulfilling the law. That is what he's called you to do, who he's called you to be. So as you look at these things, all right, I want you to understand why he's saying these. Because it would have been easy for the early church, as strong as it grew, to rise up and to organize a rebellion and try to overthrow the Romans in Rome. But guys, you do understand, when Paul is saying to submit to the government authorities, you do understand who he's telling them to submit to. Because eventually, not long, was Nero, right? So how do you submit to someone that oppresses you, right? I didn't say it was easy, right? But, you know, it's an interesting thing because the Bible talks quite a bit about being persecuted. In fact, if you're his today, he even tells you to expect it, doesn't he? That is to suffer for that which is for doing good. That is to be accused, even though you're doing what's right. That happens quite a bit, especially if you have authority. Sometimes you have to make a decision and people will accuse you of wrong motives and all kinds of terrible things to put pressure on you to do what they want you to do. Guys, those who are good at being in, in authority are those who think what's best, not what's popular. It's an incredible thing when you really understand how it works, right? So love's sake, right? Love's sake. Number four, and this is kind of the end. He gives you kind of a picture of the ultimate end, and I'll explain it to you. This is all I've wanted to do today, is just to walk through the passages and explain them to you. Why? Because this is who he's called us to be. And I have learned, as I told you earlier, I have learned that one of the greatest things I can do in here is, is to just share God's word with you in a way you can understand. And I, it's been my experience in now the dozens of years I've been doing what I do, it's been my experience is that when God's word is understood by those who are his, it has impact. Not because I'm saying it, but because it has impact. And it becomes a battle in the heart of a believer, right? To say, you know, that's what he tells me to do. It may not be what I want to do, but it's what it tells me to do. And that's what I'm going to try my best to do. And I've learned through the years. I tell you what, the only, sometimes the only way to, to learn as a rebel is to, is to, is, is pain. Let's be honest. And, uh, and I've learned painfully through the years that God's kingdom is never advanced by being a rebel, right? That's why in my kid's life, if they lived in rebellion, I put pain in their life. <laughs> why? Because I could do pain that wasn't going to hurt or permanently do anything. And then they could learn in a controlled environment without having to learn the hard way later. Are you hearing me? Amen. Therefore, I put those things in their life because they need to hear it. They need to learn it. It's huge. Okay, I've got to be done. But for Christ's sake, let's see what it says here. All right, besides this, you know the time. 
Okay, the hour has come. These are very obviously very familiar words. They're quoted often or sometimes, but most of the time they're quoted out of context. Now that you know the context of everything that's been said, he says this, besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you now to wake from your sleep. I mean, how many politicians have you heard say that? Wake up, wake up. Yeah, but what do you want us to wake up for, right? All right, anyway, wake from your sleep for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Well, that makes sense. It's getting closer, right? The night is far gone. They say that it gets the darkest before the dawn, right? And so the night is, 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 is far gone. Look at this, look at this, right? And it says the day's at hand. Now there's a huge difference between night and day, okay? Huge difference. And this is the difference he's talking about, right? What he's saying is the night's far gone, but the day's at hand. He says, so then let us cast off the works of darkness, right? And put on the armor of light. So as being his, this is his instructions if you're his today. His instructions to you is to live like someone who, who has light in their lives. Why? Because you, you live differently in the daytime than you do at night. Of course, it's a little different in our culture because everything's lit up. But the time in which he lived is just different, right? You travel at the, in the daytime when you can see. Why? Because there's no lamppost. There's no all those things like we have now. And so it's just a difference. So what he's saying is there's a difference in the way that you live. So if you truly are his, the scripture teaches he lives within you. Therefore, Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. We talk about this at Christmas time. Now he tells you, you're the light of the world. Therefore, live like one who has that light in their life. Light allows you to see. A person walks differently when you can see as opposed to not being able to see. Right? This is what he says. Put on the armor of light, right? Talks about it being armor. I think that's interesting. It says, let us walk properly as, as in the daytime. In other words, let us walk around like it's, it's day. Well, I'm close. He's the light of the world, right? And then he describes, I think what he's describing here is Rome. And if you've read any of your history books, it's the truth. He says, not like the Romans live. Orgies, drunkenness, sexual immorality, sensuality, conflict, and jealousy. It's kind of like our culture too, to be honest. But understanding the thought of what he's saying. Hey, listen, guys, you're different. Don't get down in the fray with all of that stuff, if you're his, right? If you still think that other stuff has appeal, then go do your plan. And after you've been burned enough, come back, we'll help you. I promise, I'm not being cynical. I just know sometimes, oh yeah, pastor, you don't know what you're talking about. I do. But if you don't, then, then if you have to learn the hard way, then go learn quick, all right? And then c come back and you'll see what we're talking about, right? It says here, this is interesting. This is where I'll be done. But put on the Lord, Jesus Christ. I like the way the NIV says, I believe it's the NIV, it says clothe. It's like putting on a garment. Therefore, it's what covers, it's what protects. Therefore, put on Christ, who here in this particular case is the light, right? Light of the world, the armor, right? Same thought. That's all, all the little metaphor he's using here. And no, make no provision for the flesh. Why? Because when you're in the light, you can see. When you're not in the light, you can't see. It's interesting. 
how it's real hard to explain truth to someone who's living in darkness. I'm talking to those of you that are his, right? So, so put on, right? And make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So in other words, this is not doing what you want to do. That's gratifying your own desires. Not doing what you want to do, but doing what you ought to do. Therefore, that is having those in authority of you that will help you get there until you can get there and stay there on your own. But those who are rebels are saying, I don't want to do that. I want to do what I want to do. They're the ones that, that, that fall into great struggle, right? Never usually ends well. Now, as I close today, whew, I just want you to see it. There's a, there's a particular picture, and, 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 and I know I run the risk today of, being, of being, being taken wrong, especially if you can't see. Oh, he's just advocating. He's got some political agenda. I, I don't. I don't. I promise I don't. You know, or he's a, he's a this, and you don't want to categorize me. Why? Because it's the political system you live in, right? Everybody wants to label somebody and then get everybody to hate them. Look at me. That's not who he's called you to be. That's not who he's called you to be, right? Owe nothing to any man but to love them, right? Amazing stuff. <laughs> 